welcome to this week's Investors Chronicle Personal Finance Podcast. I'm Lenora Walters, and joining me today are Zioni Bat, Personal Finance Writer at Investors Chronicle, and Tom Buffham, Senior Investment Analyst at Octopus Investments. Fixed income assets, such as corporate and government bonds, can add a steady income stream to a portfolio. And bonds issued by emerging markets entities can also help to diversify away from developed market debt and equities and provide growth and high income. Sayani, you've been looking at this. How do emerging markets bonds generate a high income and growth? So emerging market bonds allow you to invest in high risk, high yield corporate bonds uh, and government bonds. And in that way, you can tap into emerging market growth, capital appreciation, uh, currency appreciation, and in that way, get growth and high income. So how do they compare to developed markets bonds? They're quite different. Um, so they tend to be higher risk. Um, they tend to offer high returns as compensation. So for example, recently, they've outperformed UK bonds. They tend to have lower credit ratings, though, and they tend to offer that exposure to that higher growth. Bonds are obviously a very broad asset class. So uh, when looking at emerging markets bonds, um, what are the different types? So there's two main types. The first is local currency bonds. The second is hard currency bonds. Uh, With the first one, as the name suggests, they are denominated in the country's local currency. And hard currency bonds are denominated in US dollars. Um, But both government and corporate bonds can be issued in either currency. So is now a good time to invest in emerging markets bonds? So they were cheaper at the end of last year, but um, it's difficult to time the market perfectly. So it might be better to invest small amounts um, at regular intervals. And in that way, you can buy them more units when they're cheaper and less when they're more expensive. It sounds pretty good what you've said so far, but nothing's perfect, right? So what are the downsides to emerging markets bonds? So one of the biggest downsides is the level of risk. Um, So you are at risk of political volatility. For example, there's concerns in Turkey at the moment over the independence of the um, central bank. You're at risk of negative market sentiment. So for example, if something happens in an individual emerging market country, that would affect valuations across the emerging market bonds. Um, there's also so people kind of lump them together, even if they, yeah, yeah, mm. they look at them as a block. There's also macroeconomic volatility, but also another downside overall is that you have to factor in the cost of currency hedging. So um, there's obviously risks then to consider, as well as um, what sounded like some nice benefits. What kind of investor could consider having exposure to the emerging markets bonds? Um, So they're more suitable for an experienced investor with a larger portfolio who can handle an element of high risk and who has can hold the bond funds over a long time and allow that growth to accumulate. So if you're one of these investors with a high risk appetite and a long term investment horizon, how could you get access to emerging markets bonds? Um, So through emerging market bond funds, a good example of one would be the MNG Emerging Markets Bond Fund. Um, That's managed by Claudia Kalich. So she aims for income and capital growth. The fund's invested in both hard and local currency, government and corporate bonds. And her investment process is to look first at sort of the global country-specific macroeconomic factors before sort of doing in-depth fund analysis on, on individual companies. Now, Tom, do you think that emerging market bonds are worth the risks? For us, definitely. I mean, we manage... Uh, at Octopus, we manage a fixed income portfolio and emerging market 
bonds have a structural sleeve within that. Effectively, they are great diversification for your corporate credit risk and they produce a nice yield, which is very attractive in today's environment where we're seeing more and more negative yields across Europe and and even in the UK in terms of real yield. Are there any other positive reasons to invest in this asset class? So diversification Mm. and yield are the main two reasons. Okay, so what are the main risks relating to this asset class that investors should be particularly aware of? Well, political risks that we've just heard are very, very important. A country can seem like a good investment and be going on the right path, um, but a change in government can quickly change sentiment around that and the bonds can drop in value very, very quickly. Um, That's why it makes sense to have a portfolio of bonds invested across lots of different countries so you're not overly exposed to one particular country or regime and so the risk isn't too concentrated. Another risk, especially for the local currency bonds, is you're you're exposed to the local currency appreciation or depreciation of each of the underlying investments. But because you're a sterling-based investor in the UK, you're also exposed to the risk of the pound. And right now, that's been a good place to be. We've been overweight local currency bonds, and that's helped because the pound has fallen as the Brexit risks are getting worse. But equally, if Brexit suddenly looks better and there's a deal and and the UK sentiment improves, the value of the emerging market local currency bonds would appear to depreciate, but that's mostly coming from the sterling uh, risk of that appreciating. So you have to be aware of your own currency as well as the local market currency as a whole. Now there's people out there who are actually quite bearish on developed market bonds as well at the moment. So how does the risks of emerging market bonds compare to those that some people think are also uh, relating to uh, developed markets bonds? Yeah, it's difficult to Mm. compare the two directly. They're effectively giving you very sort of different risk exposures. Typically, emerging market bonds do well when growth does well because emerging markets tend to grow quicker than developed markets and therefore their currencies will appreciate and the credit spreads on the hard currency bonds will tighten. And so both the hard currency and local currency bonds will tend to appreciate more in a good growth environment. Developed market sovereign bonds work in the opposite way. So they tend to do very well when growth is slowing down um, because investors are worried that there will be defaults across normally across corporates, but also across emerging market sovereigns as well. So they do well in different scenarios. In terms of risk reward, I think emerging market bonds are attractive. The reason being is over the long term, emerging market yields are over the very long term, I should stress, they're likely to converge with developed market yields as effectively emerging markets can catch up. Now, that's not going to be true for every single country, but that's where active managers can try and pick the countries that are on the right path to catch up with places like the US, the UK. And to give you an idea of the difference, real yields, that's taking into account the yield of a bond minus inflation in the UK are almost minus 1%. It's about minus 0.97 today. In the US as well, it's still it's negative. It's minus 0.12 because the rate of inflation is slightly higher than the yield on a 10-year treasury. In emerging markets, those real yields are positive. So you're getting a return over inflation, whereas developed market sovereign bonds, even if the investment is perfectly sound, which it's very likely to be, um, you are losing money in real terms as an investor. So that's not a very attractive long-term investment. However, those investments still provide very good diversification against 
things like equity risk. Now, as you've said, um, emerging markets bond funds should be held uh, within a diversified portfolio. So within that portfolio of different elements to it, what particular role would the emerging markets bond funds play? Yeah, so it's it's a carry element. So giving income into the portfolio and generating some positive returns, but also diversifying your credit risk. So most strategic bond funds, for example, have some sovereign bonds, some developed market sovereign bonds, and they have a lot of corporate credit. And they typically use these two levers to balance each other out and generate a positive return. Our belief at Octopus is to have those two elements, but not to rely solely on corporate credit to generate returns, but to use things like emerging market bonds to also generate returns because they go through different cycles. We saw that last year in 2018, where towards the end of the year, there was some big recession fears and high yield bonds in particular sold off very sharply. But emerging market bonds were actually appreciating during that time, despite the fact there were fears of growth reducing. Now, that's partially because earlier in the year, there were some big fears around emerging market bonds and they became very cheap and very attractive. It's not to say that it's not without risk, but it's a question of the risks being realised at different times. And so that means our entire portfolio had a much smoother return profile than if we'd just invested with one of them as our main carry or income component. And which um, would be examples of emerging market bond funds that you hold within the portfolios you run? Yeah, so we, we're invested in four active funds and we're invested with Newberger Berman on the hard currency side. Um, so they're the dollar bonds. And we pair that with Bearings Sovereign Bond. And we find they make a very good pairing because they have very different approaches. So Newberger are a, a sort of more of a, a beta positive risk on type guys. They're looking for the countries that are really growing well. Whereas Bearings more look to avoid the really risky countries. And they have a very different approach. And we find that their alpha correlations are very low. So actually, in our portfolios, they make a perfect match and we find they outperform at different times. Within the local currency space, we also hold bearings. So we we really like the wider team at bearings. There are a lot of ex-IMF economists and they're very good at analysing individual countries. And we pair them with BlackRock because, again, they have a very different approach. And so for us, it's about understanding each active manager fund and seeing how they can work with another active manager so we can generate good positive returns over time from different approaches. Both you and Zayani have um, highlighted the fact that emerging markets bond funds are high-risk investments. So for investors who don't have a high enough risk appetite to invest in emerging market bond funds, what would be a good alternative for a decent income? Yeah, so I think the challenge is there's no such thing as a free lunch. At the end of the day, if you want positive returns, you have to take some form of risk. Now, emerging markets, I appreciate it's not everyone's cup of tea. So some other alternatives that probably outside the the box for most investors, there's something called catastrophe bonds. So they're invested in insurance linked uh, underwriting of property in mostly in the US, but also in Asia. And, and effectively, if the weather is good, there's no hurricanes, they will pay a nice return. However, if there's an earthquake or in a hurricane, then the, the assets from those investments are used to pay back the, 
the damage caused. So they're effectively, it's a bit like being an insurer. Um, and so you can invest in a fund that does that. Those bonds are relatively liquid, so they have their own set of risks associated. Or there's potentially investing in, uh, a lot of people have talked about cocos, and they were quite a scary word for uh, investors three or four years ago. Now, most of the issuance in the space has now been complete, so there's no overhang of of banks needing to issue. So these are another type of bonds, Sorry, yeah, it's mm. called contingent convertible, mm. and they're a fixed income instrument that invests in subordinated, so lower-rated debt of banks. Um, now, these banks are generally needed for the economy to do well. They're all investment-grade issuers, but the debt itself is subordinated to become on the borderline of high yield. So it's not quite as risky as high yield, but it pays yields that are at similar level. So they might be quite attractive to investors from that standpoint. Um, okay. Um, what are the downsides to these assets? So I think for catastrophe bonds, it's very hard to predict the weather. At the end of the day, if a hurricane comes, you will realise a loss and there's no getting around that. And so they, they only trade every couple of weeks as well. So you can't sort of get your money, you hear the hurricane on the news and take your money out. You're locked in, unfortunately, and, and you will realise that loss. However, the return on average, because it's all calculated by actuaries, should be positive. The COCOs, is, the main risk is market sentiment. So we believe that the underlying investment rationale for these bonds is very sound. However, because they're not included in any major benchmarks, what can happen is when there are concerns about global growth, especially in Europe, these bonds sell off more than high yield bonds um, because there's no underlying natural buyer base. So they're good for long term investors who want a good higher yielding solid return without taking too much fundamental risk but they will have to wear potentially some mark-to-market risk when sentiment is not so strong. I mean, what funds would you use for getting exposure to cocos and cat bonds? So in the cat bond space, we're invested with GAM. They have a very good team that have been leaders in the space for very, very many years. Within the cocoa space, there recently was a passive investment launched by Invesco. So they've they've got a passive ETF. So for investors who prefer passive management, but we're currently using an active manager, Blue Bay, who take the more subordinated issues. So it's a slightly higher risk Mm. fund than some of the others out there. But we manage that by sizing it correctly within our portfolios. One of the benefits of emerging market bond funds and the asset classes you highlighted just now is that they can help diversify portfolios. Why is it so important that investors have a diversified portfolio? Well, effectively, the the idea of bonds as an investment is to provide a steady return. Now, not all risks pay off at the same time. And and our fixed income portfolios at Octopus help diversify our equity risk. Now, we we believe that it makes sense to diversify the risk within the fixed income because especially corporate debt, which most people use as their main source of return, is quite highly correlated with equities. So emerging market bonds give a much lower overall correlation with equities. And so they they add that diversification. To give a good example of that, in December 2018, our fixed income fund was up 52 basis points, but the wider strategic bond sector was, was negative. And the reason being was because they were relying too much on 
on corporate debt. And this was at the time when the equity market was falling very, very hard. So bonds weren't fully doing the job that they're there for investors' portfolio. So the diversification is important to make sure that your bond portfolio supports your overall investments when times are more difficult in the very high-risk equity end of the spectrum. How can you tell if your portfolio is diversified enough? I think that's an individual decision at Mm. the end of the day, but it's all about are your overall portfolios, when things go wrong, when there's fear in the market, is the overall portfolio going down within your risk tolerance levels? And for us, we want to see our fixed income assets appreciate when equities are selling off. I mean, that's our sort of easy measure of are we doing a good job of diversifying equities? So that's a fairly straightforward uh, acid test. Um, So if you find that your portfolio is not diversified enough, what do investors need to consider when diversifying their portfolios? It's what risks they're happy to be exposed to, I think. So yeah, most investors, not all, but a lot of investors rely on equities to generate most of their return. It's a very uh, rewarding asset class. And over the long term, it should hopefully perform the best. However, not everyone can wear a year where equities are down 20% because that's very painful. And and actually, if you fully exposed to that, you might find yourself selling at the worst possible moment. So it's about finding that right balance and to do that using uh, other risks. And so it's a question of which risk you're willing to take. So a lot of investors are worried about interest rate risks with rates so low and negative yield. Actually, particular risk is the best diversifier against equity risk, or historically it has been over the past 20 years. And we still believe that has a very strong place in portfolios. Other investors may not. Uh, I know a lot of people are concerned about the very low yields, and so they're, they're looking elsewhere for that diversification. And that's their choice. And so it's a question of understanding each individual element of risk, how much you're willing to take, and making sure the impact on your total return profile is is what you want at the end of the day. Thank you, Tom. Some really good tips on how to get the right balance in your portfolio. Now, we've talked a lot about how to get a good income, but Zayani, you've actually also been looking at a market that's delivered high growth. Um, which is this? So India's got tremendous growth potential. Um, it's the fastest growing major economy in the world at the moment. Um, this is for a few reasons. First is the young and growing population. They're growing middle class population. So there's a high con- internal consumer demand as well. There's a positive economic outlook thanks to um, Narendra Modi's re-election as prime minister. There have been a lot of reforms in the country recently that have made the business environment much more efficient and have helped companies um, perform better. Okay, so how can investors tap into this growth? Um, so one way is through the Jupiter India Fund. Um, this is managed by Avinash Vazirani and it has been since its inception. It invests in companies that operate in or reside in India and he uses an investment style known as GARP or the um, growth at a reasonable price investment style so it it bridges the gap between growth investing and value investing and so he looks for companies that are high growth but with reasonable valuations. And has this investment approach worked for um, this fund? Yeah um, well historically it's done really well so for example in 2016 it returned 22.76% while its benchmark the MSCI India Index only returned 17.5%. 7%. Currently, though, it's been underperforming. So last year, for example, it fell 19.9%, while the benchmark only fell um, 0.75%. 
Could this fund's performance return to form? It does look so. So part of the reason the fund has underperformed is because of wider issues. So, for example, last year the government intervened in the oil and gas sector and the fund has a high exposure to that. But Mr. Vazirani focuses on investing companies which could benefit from some of the internal trends that are happening, um, like I mentioned, the sort of growing domestic consumer demand. But also it looks like the fund's performance could improve because uh, many of the reforms that have taken place in the country haven't sort of fully embedded in. And once they do, it's likely that it'll, the company's performance will be- benefit from those reforms. Okay, so position for the long term. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Zayani. And read her full report on Jupiter India Fund in this week's Investors Chronicle of a website. That brings us to the end of today's show. But also see this week's Investors Chronicle of a website at www.investorschronicle.co.uk for more emerging markets bond fund suggestions, ways to get income, and tips on how to improve the balance of your portfolio. Thank you for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.